On July 29, 1880, two witnesses in Louisville, Kentucky, saw a flying object described as a man surrounded by machinery, which he seemed to be working with his hands, with wings protruding from his back. Merely a month later, a similar sighting happened in New Jersey. The New York Times said it was apparently a man with bat's wings and improved frog's legs, and the monster waved his wings in answer to the whistle of a locomotive. Hello, this is History Obscura. Normally I like to tell you stories that are true. True in that they are well-documented and believed, or at least true in that they are the well-documented and believed fancies of a real person. Where exactly do today's stories fit in that scheme? I'm going to have to let you decide. Once upon a time, in the late 1800s, thousands of people in the Americas, from California to Chile and Kentucky to New Jersey, wrote feverishly to their local newspapers to report personal sightings of mysterious flying machines. The broadsheet editors positively delighted in publishing a rash of so-called mystery airship stories which dominated many United States papers in 1896 and 1897. The particular wave of sightings came in two separate phases, the first largely in California in late 1896. On November 18th of that year, the Sacramento Bee and the San Francisco Call reported the first sighting, which had taken place the night before. Witnesses reported a light moving slowly over Sacramento on the evening of November 17th at an estimated 1,000-foot elevation. Some witnesses said they could see a dark shape behind the light. A witness named R.L. Lowry reported that he heard a voice from the craft issuing commands to increase elevation in order to avoid hitting a church steeple. Lowry added in his statement that he believed the apparent captain to be referring to the tower of a local brewery as there were no churches nearby. Lowry further described the craft as being powered by two men exerting themselves on bicycle pedals. Above the pedaling men seemed to be a passenger compartment which lay under the main body of the dirigible. A light was mounted on the front end of the airship, and some witnesses reported the sound of singing as the craft passed overhead. What ensued afterwards was a flurry of newspaper reports throughout the United States and abroad of mysterious airship sightings, starting the very next day with an account of Colonel H.G. Shaw's sighting in Stockton, California. This was published in England's Daily Mail. Colonel Shaw claimed that while driving his buggy through the countryside near Stockton, he came across what appeared to be a landed spacecraft. 
Shaw described it as having a metallic surface, which was completely featureless apart from a rudder and pointed ends. He estimated a diameter of 25 feet and said the vessel was around 150 feet in total length. Three slender, seven-foot-tall, apparent extraterrestrials were said to approach the craft while emitting a strange warbling noise. The beings reportedly examined Shaw's buggy and then tried to physically force him to accompany them back to the airship. The aliens were said to give up after realizing they lacked the physical strength to force Shaw aboard. They fled back to their ship, which then lifted off the ground and sped out of sight. Shaw believed that the beings were Martians, set to kidnap an Earthling for unknowable but potentially nefarious purposes. The mystery light reappeared over Sacramento on the evening of November 21st. It was also seen over Folsom, San Francisco, Oakland, Modesto, Manteca, Sebastopol, and several other cities later that same evening, and was reportedly viewed by hundreds of witnesses. The second wave of airship sightings took place largely in central and eastern U.S., and this was between January 22nd and late May of 1897. Stories between these dates include the following colorful accounts. One witness from Arkansas, allegedly a former state senator Harris, was supposedly told by an airship pilot that the craft was bound for Cuba to use its Hotchkiss gun to kill Spaniards. An article in the Albion Weekly News reported that two witnesses saw an airship crash just inches from where they were standing. The airship suddenly disappeared, with a man standing where the vessel had been. The pilot showed the men a small device that supposedly enabled him to shrink the airship small enough to store the vessel in his pocket. The first airship sighting in Michigan took place on April 10th of 1897 at Alma, followed by sightings from Benton Harbor, Holland, Niles, and Menden, all on April 11th. The next day, the airship was seen over Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, and an airborne explosion was seen in Pavilion, with alleged airship debris being found there and in nearby Comstock. The next night, a farmer living north of Battle Creek claimed that the airship had come within 100 feet of his field and that a wheel fell from the ship and was embedded in the ground. Also in April of 1897, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published a story reporting that one W.H. Hopkins encountered a grounded airship about 20 feet in length and 8 feet in diameter near the outskirts of Springfield, Missouri. The vehicle was apparently run by three large propellers and crewed by a beautiful, nude woman and a bearded man, also nude. Hopkins attempted with some difficulty to communicate with the crew in order to ascertain their origins. Eventually, they understood what Hopkins was asking of them, and they both pointed to the sky and uttered something that sounded like the word Mars. 
April 16th, a story published by Table Rock Argus claimed that a group of anonymous but reliable witnesses had seen an airship sailing overhead. The craft had many passengers, among them a woman tied to a chair, a woman attending her, and a man with a pistol guarding their apparent prisoner. Before the witnesses thought to contact the authorities, the airship was already gone. An account from Aurora, Texas, related in the Dallas Morning News of April 19th, reported that a couple of days before, an airship had smashed into a windmill belonging to Judge Proctor, then crashed. The occupant was dead and mangled, but the story reported that the presumed pilot was clearly not an inhabitant of this world. Furthermore, strange hieroglyphic figures were seen on the wreckage, which resembled a mixture of aluminum and silver, and must have weighed several tons. The story ends with the pilot receiving his Christian burial in the town cemetery. In 1973, it's notable that aviation reporter Bill Case of the Dallas Times-Herald discovered a rough-hewn rock that he contended was the stone marker used in the ship's burial, and which bore scratches that he contended represented the ship. Local treasure hunter claimed that his metal detector gave strange readings in the area, which Case claimed indicated that the pilot might have been buried in some sort of metal uniform. A few months later, however, MUFON investigation reported that the headstone and whatever metallic material may have lain beneath it was gone. My favorite story from this particular flap is an account from Texas, where three men reported an encounter with an airship and with five peculiarly dressed men who asserted that they were descendants of the lost tribes of Israel. The crew claimed to have learned English from the 1553 North Pole expedition led by Hugh Willoughby. Good work, Hugh. After the turn of the century, a man named Wallace Tillingest from Worcester, Massachusetts announced the creation of the first heavier-than-air flying craft. The year was 1909. Tillinghast explained that he had piloted more than 100 successful flights with this machine under the cover of darkness. Tillinghast and his crew claimed to have circled the Statue of Liberty at 4,000 feet, and at one point, the engines are said to have been shut off, the contraption gliding through the air for 48 minutes while the mechanics made repairs, after which they made their way back to Worcester by way of Boston. Tillinghast's supposed craft was reported to have been spotted by thousands of onlookers between December 1909 and February of 1910, one unwitting witness to a mass sighting in Providence, Rhode Island, on Christmas Eve, was noted horror author H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft scoffed at the notion that what he and his peers had witnessed was any such mysterious flying machine, instead positing that the light in the sky had been the formidable form of the planet Venus. Venus. 